It's an evening of old-time radio. I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Dead man control. Yes, we have that crime club story for you. Come right over. chair by the window. Comfortable? The book is on this shelf. Here it is. Dead Man Control by Helen Riley. The very absorbing story of a murder in which Cupid held the hand of death. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. It was late morning and in the library of a mansion on East 67th Street, Multi-millionaire Fenimore Kingston was standing before the wall safe he had just opened. He smiled. And then as he reached in... Two hours later, Inspector Christopher McKee was in his office at police headquarters on Center Street when the telephone rang. Inspector McKee talking, homicide bureau. Good morning. This is Catherine Kingston. Yes? Mrs. Fenimore Kingston. Oh, yes? My husband's been murdered. Can you come? Where? Our home is on East 67th Street. All right, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Yes, sir. Cassidy, order my car. We're going uptown. Yes, sir. And how are you... And don't stop to ask about anybody's health. I'm in a hurry. <laughs> Please go on, Mrs. Kingston. Well, Inspector... As soon as I saw that open wall safe, I thought my husband had been killed by a burglar. Mm-hmm. So while I was waiting for you, I checked the contents. The money and the bonds were still there. But... Yes? The diamond ring that Fenimore gave me after our wedding three months ago. That's gone. That wouldn't be the well-publicized Kingston diamond, would it? It would, Inspector. And it's worth a half a million dollars. Yes, but the cash on those negotiable bonds... I can't understand why they weren't taken to... Very unusual thief, to say the least. Uh, where were you when the miracle happened? Out. I went out early this morning. I was restless. Why? I was tired of doing nothing. So I took the car and drove until I was tired of driving. Alone? Inspector McKee. Don't be a lie, Mrs. Kingston. I'm not insinuating... But your tone... Merely professional. Now, according to the medical examiner, your husband was shot in the back and death was instantaneous about two hours ago. Who was in the house with him then? I don't know. What about the servants? Did they go out driving too? We have no servants. In this big house? They quit last night. Oh? <laughs> don't let it surprise you, Inspector. Fenimore was not an easy person to get along with. Mrs. Kingston, 
For your special information, I don't let anything surprise me. Excuse me, sir. What is it, Cassidy? It's about the murder weapon. Did you find it? Uh, no, sir. There ain't a trace of it in the house. And me and the boys have looked in every nook and... All right, Cassidy. All right. Yes, sir. Oh, my. What's the matter? Over there, Inspector. Peep it out from under that corner of the window drape. It shines like a diamond. It is a diamond. Well, if it is, then the saints preserve us. It must be as big as an eyeball. Yes. Well, Mrs. Kingston. My ring. No burglary, huh? It doesn't seem so, does it? But how did that ring get under the drape? The law of gravity. It fell when your husband fell, after he was shot. And it either rolled or bounced. You can take your pick. I'll take the ring, if you don't mind. Later. Right now, it's evident. But it's mine. We'll take good care of it. Come on, Cassidy. Well, I'll be finished here, sir. For the time being, goodbye, Mrs. Kingston. Goodbye, Inspector. Cassidy. Uh, Inspector McKeith, it's one question I might ask. Go uh, ahead. Uh, what's the ring got to do with the cadaver we carried upstairs? I think it killed him. The deputy, say. Don't lead me on, Sergeant. I have no time to explain. If you say so, Inspector. Going back to my office. I want you to go to the telephone company. Get a list of every call that's been made from or to this house in the last two days. Report to me at headquarters. Yes, sir. But there's one thing that... Now the... what? But it's that girl in there, Mrs. Kingston. Uh-huh. Now, I've been on the force for 32 years, and it's a fine education I've got about the good and the bad in Not people. Not now, Cassidy. When a girl, young and beautiful, marries a man twice her age and a millionaire... She didn't marry him for love. Hello? Oh. Is this Michael Dolger's apartment? Yes. Who is this? Amy Clarberson, why? This is Catherine Kingston. Let me talk to Michael, please. You might ask me how I'm feeling. Please, Amy. After all, you did get what I wanted. I want to speak to Michael. I'll ask him how he feels about it. Hold the wire. Don't wind it too tightly around your neck, dear. Hello, Kathy. What's she doing there? Oh, she just dropped in for a cocktail. Oh, it doesn't matter. I want you to meet me right away. Where? Central Park, inside the 72nd Street entrance. I'll pick you up in my car. All right. What's the rumpus about? Fenimore's dead. What? what did you say? He was murdered this morning. Good grief. Maybe, uh, maybe I'd better come over. No. The police are here, dozens of them, all over the place. Meet me in half an hour. And come alone. <laughs> How'd you manage it? I didn't. What? I couldn't get out without being seen. Michael, I'm in trouble. But if the police followed you... Is that all you care about? Your precious hide? Well, it's the only one I've got. Well, you don't have to worry. I wasn't followed. Are you sure? Yes, look for yourself. Is there a police car behind us? No, but... Michael, really, I'm in serious trouble. How was Fenimore killed? He was shot. And the police think I did it. You? Have they said so? Well, not in words, they haven't. That Inspector McKee. He thinks he's very clever. Well, you should have left me alone, Kathy. I couldn't. I had to speak to you. Now, why didn't you do it on the phone? I didn't want to incriminate you. What? Suppose one of those policemen had been listening at the door. Well? Suppose. 
He'd have heard me asking you about that appointment you had with Fenimore this morning. That I had? Just about the time he was killed. Now, wait a minute. I had no appointment with Fenimore. That's not the truth. He phoned you and asked you to come over. Did he tell you that? No. Then how do you know so much? I was listening in on the upstairs extension. Oh. How much did you hear? He wanted you to meet him at the house at 11 o'clock. It was very important. Anything else? No, I put the receiver down. It was half past ten, and I wanted to be out of the house before you arrived. Really? I didn't know what he was going to talk to you about. I was afraid it might be us. So you ran away. That's too bad. Why? Because if you'd stayed, you'd have learned something. Didn't he talk to you about us? No, dear. Well, then what did he? I don't know. I wasn't there. What? That's right. Fenimore wanted to see me, but I didn't want to see him, and I told him so. You told Fenimore? Yes, I did. <laughs> the great mammoth. Or was it about time? I'd like to believe that, Mike. Then do. I got tired of being my cousin's errand boy and of running to him every time he beckoned. But you're allowing I told him what to do with that, too. But it doesn't make any difference now, does it? No. You're free. And we'll have all the money we both need. That's putting it very bluntly. Why not? He never cared for anyone, including you. You were the most beautiful thing he ever saw, and he wanted you. It's just as simple as that. I, I know all about all it. All right. All right. I'll shut up. Kathy? Yes? Did you really go out this morning? I said I did. Of course. But I was just thinking, what a wonderful opportunity you had, alone in that house with him. <laughs> Yeah? Uh-huh. Good work, Gordon. Let me know when she gets back. Can I come in, Inspector? Help yourself, Cassidy. Well, I checked with the telephone company, sir, and it's big news if I don't mind seeing it myself. Yes? Anything like Catherine Kingston going out to meet a man? A uh, uh, what? You've heard of the species, Cassidy. And I'm sure you've heard of Central Park. Is that where she went with him? Mm-hmm. In broad daylight? <laughs> There's no topping an Irishman, is there? <laughs> <laughs> well, not if he comes from the county cocks. <laughs> who's the man? We don't know yet, but he's being tailed. Now, what did you find out at the telephone company? Oh, wait, wait, here's a list of all the cars that came and went from the Kingston house in the last couple of days. Right. Uh, but but uh, it's them last three that was made this morning. Yes, all outgoing. One at 10.30, one at 10.35. And Kingston was killed at about 11. And this one at 1.45. Oh, a few minutes after we left Mrs. Kingston. That's right. Who were these calls made to? Uh, oh, yeah, but I, I got that on another slip of paper. Now, where did... The... Oh, yeah, here it is. Now, 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 the first one and the last one to Michael Dolge. So that's the man. Mm-hmm. Now, go ahead, Cassidy. I'm just checking. Uh, he was the dead man's cousin. How do you know? Well, I remember seeing his name in the papers after the Kingston wedding. Seems to me he was either the best man or one of the ushers. But it's not him I'd be worrying about, sir. No? Why not? It's that woman. The one who got the call at 10.35. What woman? Amy Clowbertson. Ah, uh, no answer. Michael Dode, most likely out with Catherine Kingston. Yeah. Uh, what, what'd you say about a woman? No, uh, Amy Clowbertson. Well, what about her? 
Filsey, you know how I read the newspapers every day. I know. Well, after I get through with the sporting pages, I always turn to the society page. Mm. It's an old habit of mine. I acquired it 32 years ago when I was a rookie on that Fifth Avenue beat. <laughs> you know Fifth Avenue uptown where Central Park lies opposite them glorious mansions with the beautiful... Sit down, Cassidy. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, me, them were fine old days. People used to come from all over <laughs> just to look at the Woolworths. Don't building. let me interrupt you, but you were telling me about a woman. Uh, a woman? Yes, in connection with a murder. The, oh, boy, yes, yeah. Amy Clarkson. Well, so seeing her name again brought to mind a society page item of about five months ago. To the effect that Amy Crowbertson and Fanny Bar Kingston were engaged to be married. Cassidy, are you sure? Yes, I am, sir, because the diamond ring was mentioned in the same article. How? Where did she wore it at the formal reception? I see. And not two months later, Fanny Bar Kingston married Catherine. It's the old story, Inspector. Not another one, please. Uh, the woman scorned. There's no fury like a woman who expects to marry a millionaire and gets jilted. Yes. Yes. There's no doubt about it. All right, I'll pick it up on the way out. Well. Oh, bad news, Inspector. For someone, that was a lab just phone. The ring we found is a phony. A perfect imitation. You mean it's made of glass? Not quite. Somebody had a good job done for a few hundred dollars, and the original, valued at half a million... Well, it was... might be somewhere in a vault, maybe. But lots of people wear paste and keep their valuables yes, locked yes, up. Yes, oh, no, I... yes, sir. Phone the Kingston house. Tell the men to turn that place inside out. Yes, sir. And when you get through, take as many men as you need and contact every diamond cutter in town, especially the ones around Maiden Lane. Yes, sir. Now, where's that slip of paper with the names on it? That... Oh, yeah, it's right here, sir. The address is too. Give it to me. I'm going out to pay Amy Culbertson a visit. Excuse me. I don't want any. Inspector McKee, police. I still don't want any, but you can come in. I have scotch on the table. Cigarettes, you didn't bring your own. No, thanks. It yourself. What do you want? Sit down, please. You're here to ask a lot of questions about Fenimore Kingston's murder. Don't waste your breath because I don't know any of the answers. How do you know about his murder? Radio told me. Not today. Not today, Miss Robertson. Why don't you sit down? Maybe I don't want to. Would you have any reason to protect Catherine Kingston? Not one. Well, here's to you. Michael Dole? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to catch you off guard. Why'd you mention his name to me? This pack of matches with his name on the cover. You're pretty smart, aren't you? I have a weakness for matches that are left on tables. All right, so he told me about Fenimore's death. I was at his apartment when Catherine phoned. She told him. Anything else you'd like to know? What time did you meet Fenimore Kingston this morning? I did what? He phoned you at 10.35. How'd you find out about that? You just told me. What? Why, you wheedling wheedle. Shall we talk now? Pitch curves and have me swing at him. I'd like to know about you and Fenimore Kingston. I'm through talking to you. Are you? Then suppose we go down to headquarters. What for? We're very lonesome. Now, wait a minute. Let me go. I haven't done anything. What about you and Kingston? We were engaged. And then he jilted me and married that... Yes? Catherine and I were in the same show. I met Fenimore at a party, and he fell for me like a ton of diamonds. 
And then, like a fool, I introduced him to Catherine. Why did he phone you this morning? One to date. Now, look, Miss Parkinson. That's the truth. He told me he was going to divorce Catherine. He found out about her and Michael. He thought I knew something, too. And, of course, you rushed over to Michael's apartment and told him. Oh, not exactly. I tried to make it casual. Three hours later? Mike and I were in the same boat. Both of us had been kicked around by Fenimore. That was a common bond. So you waited from 10.35 until almost 2. Still pitching curves, aren't you? Was it because you tried to get his apartment in the morning and couldn't? No. Or didn't you even try? What do you want from me? I didn't kill anybody. Fenimore didn't call you to talk about his wife. Then I don't know what he did call me for. He asked you about this ring. What? What'd you... You wore it for a while, didn't you? Yeah, but I gave it back. This one? Look, mister, there's only one of its kind in the world. Why did he call you about it? Because he thought... Yes? Nothing. He thought you'd know a good imitation from the real thing. You mean that diamond's a fake? We'll find out soon enough, if you're really surprised. Goodbye, for now. Oh, are you going? Sorry? Oh, I'm collapsing. Drop in again sometime. Anytime. Thanks. And let's hope I don't have to return that invitation. Hmm? Hello, Michael. Amy, what are you doing here? I figured she'd drive you home. She was always the lady... Get back in the car. Now see here, Get Amy. back or I'll make a scene that'll turn you both into mummies. Gotta do as she says, Michael. All right, Cassie. I'll be right behind you, kiddies, in the back seat. Now, Catherine, who told Inspector McKee about me? What? About Fenimore having phoned me this morning. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know he phoned me, don't you? No. Oh, you couldn't tell the truth if you had a mouthful of it and it was choking. Wait a minute, Amy. She's trying to frame me. And she'll frame you, too. What was Fenimore talking to you about? Ask her. She was tuned into the extension. Were you, Kathy? No. She had to be. How else... She, she said no, Amy. All right, so she said no. How did Inspector McKee know that I talked to Fenimore and about the diamond, too? The diamond? Yes. Maybe you didn't know that beautiful thing was just a hunk of glass. What? That's a lie. Well, it wasn't when Fenimore asked me about it this morning. He wanted me to return the original. Oh, is that why you killed him? Oh, I knew that was coming out of you. You'd like the police to think that, wouldn't you? Maybe they already do. Well, that wouldn't put you in the clear, Kathy, darling. I returned the original to Fenimore. Can you prove it? Can you prove that I didn't? Wind her up, Michael. She seems to have run down. I think you've said enough, Amy. I'm through. And so is she. For good, I hope. <laughs> Inspector McKee, homicide. Cassidy talking, sir. Go ahead. I think I found him, Inspector. Who? The diamond-cutting fella. Good. What does he say about the Kingston Diamond? Well, sir, it might be the man and it might not. What? Well, I found him in a small room on the top floor of a small building just around the corner off Maiden Lane. There was no name on the door, just the words diamond-cutting. But I took a chance That's anyway. That's a good thing I did, Inspector. No. For there was that poor old fella stretched out on the floor dead. Oh, no. A yeah, little fellow he was, too. And beaten around the head unmerciful. What's the address? Uh, oh, oh yeah, but I, I, I got it written down on a piece of paper. Now, with the... Oh, yes, here it is. 
up here, Inspector. All right, Cassidy, I'm doing the best I can. But I, I, I got some information, sir. I checked with some of the neighbors on this Where's floor. Where's the body? Uh, well, I'll take you to it, sir. Well, as I was saying, I checked. And the fellow's name was Rudolph Liebnitz. What else? Well, that's all, sir. Mm. He came over from the other side a few years ago. A victim of war and oppression. And to think that his only reward for minding his own How business... How do you know he was minding his own business? Well, his reputation in the trade, the inspector, was good. He was known to all his neighbors as an honest man, a good worker, and a fine, upstanding character. And, 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 and when your competitors have only Is praise... Is the room, Cassidy? Uh, uh, yes, sir. There he is. Yeah. A little old fella. Why didn't you tell me his files had been opened and dumped? Well, I was going to, well, Chief. Well, it but doesn't it... matter. Somebody wanted a record and they took it. Uh, you uh, think this can be an outcome of the Kingston murder? Maybe, 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 maybe. Let's have a look at the body. Uh, he didn't have a chance. Struck on the back of the head and then beaten until he Cassidy. was... Uh, yes? This man's been dead since this morning. Late this morning. Would you be sure about that? Rigamortis takes at least six hours to set in. It's just beginning. Ah, then it'd be about the time Fenimore Kingston was murdered. A little later, but not much. The killer came right from the Kingston house to this place and... All right, Cassidy, there's no point in searching the room. No, sir? We won't find anything. Oh. Hello. Hello, operator. Uh, give me police headquarters. Have you got a plan, sir? I hope so, Cassidy. I... Hello. Uh, give me Murphy and Homicide. Inspector McKee. I hope so, Cassidy. If it works, it'll be a miracle. It will talk of the miracles. There was a... I want you to have the following three parties picked up. All right? Catherine Kingston, Michael Dold, and A.B. Clarkson. You'll find the addresses on my desk. And keep them in my office until I get there. Now it's for you, Cassidy. Yes, sir. You stay here. Phone the medical examiner's office and look after the usual details. I'm going out for a long walk. Yes, sir. Those people will wait, even if they don't like it. And let's hope they don't like it enough to burn. Inspector McKee. Well, company. How are you, Mrs. Kingston? Why did you have me brought here? And Miss Robertson? I'm cheerful enough to break your neck. And taking two from three, you must be Michael Doe. We've been waiting for two hours, Inspector. Yes. Why have you had me arrested? It's a habit of mine, Mrs. Kingston, when a murder's been committed. Well, then we are under arrest. For the time being, Miss Robertson. Now, if you'll excuse me for a moment. Uh, I've been working on another case, and there's some papers on my desk that I... You've no right to keep us here. Please, Kathy. Well, he hasn't, Michael. Not without charges. Then wait and try to be calm. Hmm, very interesting. There's nothing incriminating in what I said, Inspector. Oh, no. I wasn't referring to that. This memo. Good news. Well, I'm not going to wait here and let you waste my time. Mrs. Gangston, this building is full of policemen. Pity sake, Kathy. Stop being so nervous. If he has anything to say to us, he... I can... have. One of you killed Fenimore Kingston this morning. I wasn't home. You were out driving. But who saw you, Mrs. Kingston? What? It takes at least two to make an alibi. But surely you don't think that I... Well, you're out of your mind, Inspector. She married him only three months ago. And then she changed her mind. She thought how nice it would be to marry you. Inspector... It's all right, Kathy. He's just fishing. But that wasn't the reason Kingston was killed. What? Mm, look out for him when he pitches curves. You uh. know the reason, Miss Clubberson. Oh, now I'm it, huh? Kingston found out that his famous diamond had become an invitation. My ring? This morning, he took it out of the wall safe. The thief, the person who had made the substitute, 
Constitution was in the room with him. And Kingston was shot in the back and killed. Don't look at me, Inspector. I wasn't there. How about you, Mrs. Kingston? I told you. Yes, yes. And you, Mr. Dole? I didn't know anything about Fenimore's death until Catherine phoned me. Then you admit that she phoned me. Of course, it's no secret. I was Fenimore's cousin. And you were making sure that Catherine stayed in the family. Now look here, Inspector. Excuse me, please. Yes? All right. In a few minutes. I'll call you. Now, this memo becomes very important. May we go now? Don't rush me, Mrs. Kingston. But if you're going to work on another case... I'm not. An imitation of the Kingston diamond was made. And by a strange coincidence, shortly after Fenimore Kingston was murdered, the workroom of a diamond cutter was robbed. What's that got to do with us? Miss Robertson, tell me what you know about Rudolf Liebnitz. What I know? Look, I may get around, Would but Would you that... like to see him? All right, if it'll make you happy. I'll ask him to come in. What? He's in a room down the hall, Mr. Doze. I had him brought here from the hospital. From the... The hospital? He wasn't dead. You're lying. Murphy, bring Leibniz in no. here. No! No! No. Never mind. Send in a stenographer. We're going to take a confession. Hello. Inspector McKee, I'm sorry to be bothering you at your home, but when I return to headquarters this evening... What is it, Cassidy? Well, it's about that fellow Michael Dole. He killed his cousin, Fenimore Kingston. That's what the boys told me, but I... He took the diamond and had the imitation put in. You don't say. Mm-hmm, about three weeks ago. How did he get hold of it? That was very simple. Catherine wore the ring at a house party. Dole mentioned to Fenimore that the diamond needed cleaning and that he could take care of it for him. Oh, so, so, so he took the stone down to Leibniz and had an imitation made. That's right. It was so good that Fenimore didn't notice it right away. But this morning... Ah, yes, this morning. It's all in the confession, Cassidy. Ah. Oh, then Kingston knew right away who had stolen the real diamond, didn't he now? Yes, he did now. Oh, Inspector, get along with you. <laughs> then why did he bother to phone that Amy Clarison girl? We'll never know, Cassidy. Maybe he was anxious to turn the clock back uh, to better times. And so closes tonight's Crime Club book, Dead Man Control, based on a story by Helen Riley. Stedman Coles did the radio adaptation. Roger Bauer produced and directed. Ted Osborne played Inspector McKee. Alice Frost was Catherine Kingston. Elspeth Eric was Amy. Sherling Oliver was Michael Dolge. And Barry Thompson played Catherine. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Hello. I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Death never doubles. Yes, we have that story for you. Come right over. Here. Good. 
Take the easy chair by the window. Comfortable? The manuscript is on this shelf. Here it is. Death Never Doubles. The very exciting story of a past-present that had no future. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. It was early evening, and Peter Woods, a young lawyer, was in his apartment getting dressed for his appointment with Hilda Ryan, his fiancée. He was not expecting a phone call, but when it came, he answered it as if it meant nothing at all. Then, five minutes and countless palpitations later... Oh, sure, Mr. Jackson. Don't worry, Mr. Jackson. I'll be there. Yes, I know. Not later than a quarter to eight. Yes, I've got the address. Uh, 1052 West 52nd Street. All right, Mr. Jackson. Thanks very much. Bye. Wow. Oh, boy, I'm lucky. I'll say I'm lucky. This is my lucky day. Hello? Hilda, honey. Yes? Oh, my sugar-coated Cupid doll. Guess what? You're going to be late again. <laughs> You're drunk. I'm delirious. I just fell into a pot of gold. Did you say gold? Uh-huh. Mr. Jackson just phoned me. Steve Jackson. Who's he? Oh, I don't know. But he's going to do a big operation and he needs a lawyer. He promised me $5,000. Five thousand? Who recommended him to you? Nobody. Just picked my name right out of the phone book. Uh-huh. Well, what's the matter? Oh, Nothing. Now, you know I've gotten several clients that way. Did they pay you $5,000 fees? Oh, Hilda, now look, I know it's a lot, but it isn't fantastic. After all... Yes, honey. After all, he may be a nut with a bolt loose. He sounded perfectly all right to me. So do you, when you're not listening. What time will you pick me up? What? Uh, oh, well, honey, I'm afraid I can't make it tonight. Mr. Jackson? Yeah, quarter to eight. And i got to be on time. Of course. Would he mind if you brought your secretary along? Now, what's the idea, Hilda? You know I haven't got one. Oh, but you have, darling. An amanuensis from now on, who's going to keep an eye on her man. Well, Pete? Don't say it, Hilda. I couldn't stand it. Are you sure Mr. Jackson said 1052 West 52nd Street? Yes. It wasn't West 57th Street? No. I repeated the address to him. This is the place. But there's no building here. Just a hole in the ground. I don't get it. Why should anybody ask me? Wait a minute. Why? They're excavating here. That hole in the ground is where they're going to put a foundation of a building. So? Anybody can see that. All right. Now, suppose Steve Jackson is the guy. You know, the builder. He'd have an office, Pete. I'm going to find out. Come on. Darling, can't we forget the whole thing? There's a pool room on the second floor of this building next to the light. Pete, I'd rather have dinner and go to the movies. We'll go upstairs and we'll ask about Steve Jackson. Somebody ought to know him. I'm not going. What are you afraid of? Trouble. And I think the sooner we get away... Hey, you're blocking the doorway. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't see you. I walk like a cat. Now, if you don't mind, I'll just go inside. Duke. Duke Masters. What? Pete, is he talking to you? Gee, Duke, I didn't recognize you in this bad light. We wasn't expecting to see you for six months. Now, look, When did they let you out? I'm Peter Woods, and I'm looking for Steve Jackson. A new moniker, eh? Culture, too. Why, you're even talking like Park Avenue. Okay, maybe it's a good idea. We can all start from scratch. I'll change mine from Marty Green to... should we go now? Wait a minute, sister. What's the rush? Marty, sister's name happens to be Hilda Ryan. I'm tickled. Hey, Duke, what are you going to say to Trixie about this doll? Trixie? Yeah, she's still... Hey, what goes here? Just a couple of the wrong people. Come on, Hilda. Did you know I was working all night in that dump upstairs, or did you come here by accident? Marty, 
Now it's you who's blocking the doorway. We ain't taking no double cross, Duke. We've been having hard times for the last year and a half. Oh, that's too bad. What do you want me to do about it? Okay, so you took the rap for all of us. Me, Flip Morgan, and the rest of them on. You got two to five years in Leavenworth, and we didn't. But you got caught, and we didn't. Uh, now, listen, Mark. No, you listen. You got 200 grand soaked away someplace that's going to be split. You ain't setting yourself up as no millionaire in our dough. Marty, when was the last time you were pushed through a wall? Yeah. Okay, pal. But I'm telling Flip Morgan and Trixie I seen you. Yeah, I do that little thing. And, brother, if you got any real ideas about spending that dough yourself, you're going to give a big chunk of it to some undertaker. <laughs> Stop flipping that coin. You're driving me crazy. Well, what are you so nervous about, Trixie? I'm not nervous. All right. Will you stop it? Sure. You want me to go home to my mother? Don't be a dope. It's just that I'm... Oh, yeah, sure, I know. You'd like to see something green for a change. Flip. Well, it's my sickness, too. Duke, the wise guy. He don't trust nobody. Two hundred grand stacked away, and we got a scratch till he gets out of stir. I'm afraid of what's going to happen when he gets out. Well, what's that? He's got only six months to go, and leave it to Duke. He's behaving. Won't be two to five for him. He'll get the diploma at the end of two. Well, what's wrong with that? I can't help it if I'm scared, Flip. Ah, he's not going to do anything to you. I promised I'd wait for him. So what? You changed your mind. He'll kill me. <laughs> You're crazy. I know what I'm talking about. When Duke finds out, somebody hasn't tipped him off already. Relax. Duke's a dying duck. Huh? Only he don't know it yet. Nobody's going to tell him. What do you mean? You learned how to do arithmetic, didn't you? Flip. Uh-huh. The more numbers you got to divide by, the less everybody gets. You're going to kill him. First, he brings the dough out of hiding. <laughs> I got a brain that gives me 24-hour service. But, Flip, suppose... What for? The day Duke steps out of Leavenworth, he's going to have an escort with him all the way to New York. And by the time we swing up Broadway, he's going to be all talked out. <laughs> and then we bury him. I'll get it, Trixie. Yep. Hello, Flip. Yep. This is Marty. The Duke's out. What? Yeah, yeah, Duke Masters. I seen him. Hey, now listen, Marty, if this is a guy... I tell you, I seen him with my own eyes. I talked to him. And you should hear him, Flip. Like he went to college instead of Leavenworth. Just a minute. Trixie. Yeah? Marty just saw the Duke in town. What? Yeah, what a break. Six months ahead of time. What are we going to do? Same thing. Uh, All right, Marty. What else? We're getting a double cross. Hey? Dude, the Duke says he ain't the Duke. He says he's a guy by the name of Peter Woods. Go on. And he's got some fancy dame with him, Hilda Ryan. A real cookie. Peter Woods and Hilda Ryan, hey? Where are they now? In the Bijou Club on 49th Street. Spending our dough. Okay, Marty. Keep an eye on them. But I gotta go to work. Keep an eye on them and your working days will be over. I didn't expect it, Flip. I never figured on time off for good behavior. Give me the phone book, Trixie. What are we going to do? The phone book, baby. I want to take a look at the odds. I've got an idea they're going to favor a quick killing. I can't help it, Pete. I've got to say I told you so. Yeah. Going haywire because somebody picked your name out of the phone book and offered you $5,000. Couldn't you smell a plot? Can I help it if I look like Duke Masters? You're a lawyer. You're supposed to be smart. Hilda, you see any gangsters around? And that name, Steve Jackson. Yeah, it sure sounds like a phony. And now... Oh, well, I'm going to the powder room. All right. And then you're going to take me to the movies. All right. I'll be back in a minute. (laughs) I missed you, Duke. Huh? Why didn't you let me know you were coming home? 
Now, now listen, Miss, uh, whatever your name is, I want you and your gang to get one thing straight. I'm not Duke Masters. So I heard. Is it on account of that girl? Now, I'm warning you. If you don't leave me alone... What'll you do? Scream? Huh? Yeah. It shoots. The restaurant's full of people. There's nothing safer than a crowd. You ought to know that, Duke. Yeah. When you and the boys stuck up that mail truck, there was a big crowd all around. Didn't keep you from getting the money, did it? Oh, now listen. You got me all wrong. It won't keep me from pulling the trigger. I've got my identification card. Look, if you give me until tomorrow, I'll get you my birth certificate. Why the double cross, Duke? <laughs> What's the use? Is it because you heard some stories about me and Flip Morgan? I never even heard it. They're not true. I said I'd wait for you, and I've been waiting. I don't care what anybody's been telling you. I've been on the level with you. Sure, I believe everything you say. Oh, Duke. Duke. But let's keep it strictly impersonal. Okay, I can wait until we're alone. Listen, Duke, I got an idea. That 200 grand. If you don't want to split it with the gang... Why, Trixie. By the way, that's your name, isn't it? You'd rather be a clown, huh? Maybe we'd better go now. Where to? Your apartment. The one I never saw. Are you serious? You don't hear me laughing, do you? But I, I can't leave now. Hilda wouldn't understand. Duke, did you ever see such a cute little gun? A few minutes ago. It disappears in the palm of my hand, see? Trixie. Are you ready? No, and I'm not willing either. I'll overlook it, Duke. As long as you're able. All right, Duke. Stop fumbling and open the door. I can't help it, Trixie. I'm thinking of Hilda. When she finds me gone... The door, sweetheart. Careful how you poke that gun in my back. Get in there, Duke. All right, all right. You don't have to be so impatient. Hey, what's happened to my apartment? We gave it a thorough cleaning, pal. Huh? Who are you? Come in, Duke. Come in and stop kidding. Now, look. You've made a mistake. Give me a chance, will you? Yeah. Did you have to coax him much, Trixie? A little. He was pretty unreasonable, Flip. It's too bad. What's the matter, Duke? Don't you want to meet your old friends again? I never saw you before in my life. I've never been to prison, and I've never been in any holdup. His memory's still bad, Trixie. It's awful. We might have to give him a treatment, huh? Remember the boys, Duke? Good grief. What can I do to make you understand? That's Tom, and that's Knuckles, and uh, <laughs> that's the bruiser. <laughs> They're all waiting to put their hands on you. I'm not... Duke yeah, Masters. Yeah, sure, I know. You're Peter Woods. You're even listed in the phone book. <laughs> nice going, Duke. You took this apartment and hid the dough, then you took the rap, but not for us. Now, where is it? I give up. Two hundred grand is in one of these rooms. Now, you go and make an X on the spot. You've searched, haven't you? You didn't find any money. Well, maybe we're not as smart as you are. You pull the place apart. You're next, pal. Well, what can I do just because I happen to look like some guy who's double-crossing? I'll give you a break. Tell us where you stacked the dough and we'll cut you in. We'll let bygones be bygones. You can't let something be that never existed. I, uh... Hmm? Ah. Now you become a philosopher, too, huh? I do great things at Leavenworth these days. <laughs> Sit down, Duke. What for? We're going to give you something to think about. Come on, Trixie. The boys want to be left alone. Listen, Flip, don't uh, you think... There's nothing to worry about, sweetheart. They're going to see how many times they can bounce the punching bag off the wall <laughs> before the egg is out of it. Don't move, honey. Don't move, she says. 
As if I could. Oh, if I could only get my hands on the men who did this to you. It's no use, Hilda. I'll have to leave town. Oh, Pete, how could they have beaten you up like this? Your face. Sorry about that, lady. Huh? I'm not Duke Masters. No, no, Mr. Woods. I am. You? Why, yeah, you... Yeah, yeah, I know how you feel. It's tough. You got born with the wrong face. But it's not only the face. It's... You're not human, Duke. Okay. Maybe you'll change your mind when I pay you off. What? You mean you're going to... After all you've done to me already? I promised you 5,000 bucks, didn't I? What? Hilda! I know, Pete. That's Steve Jackson. Yeah. I uh, hope you'll excuse the masquerade. It had to be done that way. Are you trying to make us understand? I don't want you to consider me a bad guy, lady. When I got expelled from Leavenworth last week, I never thought my luck was going to change, but it did. So did mine. A couple of days ago, I spotted Marty Green going into a pool room on West 52nd Street. I found out he works there. It was always a second story, Mark. You ought to know your friends, Duke. Yeah, I know them. Well, yesterday was my big day. I was walking along Madison Avenue when who should I see coming out of an office building? You, Pete. So I followed you all day, my head spinning with ideas. Too bad it didn't spin Shut right Shut up, off. lady, and let me talk to my lawyer. I'm not your lawyer, Duke. Don't kid yourself. You're either my lawyer or you're going to be my corpse. Well, that doesn't give me much choice, does it? It doesn't give you any. Would you uh, like to know how I got your name? I'm sure you're going to tell me. The doorman of this house gave it to me. I walked in and he says, Good afternoon, Mr. Woods. What was I going to do? Well, I did it. I went right to a phone book and looked up Mr. Woods at this address until I found one with a Peter in front. That was you, pal. Duke, you're almost as smart as the devil. Smarter, Cookie. I get what I go after. But what do you want? You got $200,000. No, Pete. What? I had it. Sold it away in a little cabana I own at the beach, my own private get-away-from-it-all place. Nobody knew, not even Trixie. Were you planning to keep it all for yourself? I wasn't telling them where to find it, not until I got out of stir. I was taking no chances. <laughs> not much I wasn't. What do you mean? A couple of months ago, Trixie wrote me about tough times. What was I going to do, let her go hungry? So I told her to take a few grand and keep a trap shut about the rest, but she took the pile. And she never wrote again. Naturally. She's been too busy flipping with Morgan. She's double-crossing him, too. All right, all right. You don't have to get mad at me. I wasn't sure of it until tonight. Flip Morgan hasn't seen a dime of that 200 grand. How do you know? Take a look at your face in the mirror. Oh, you mean... You get the idea. I see. Well, Duke, as your lawyer, my advice get to you is to go to... Pete. Oh, no, 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 look, Duke, I, I was only kidding. Get him up, lady. He's got a lot of work to do. Not for you, he hasn't. You go and get yourself beaten up for a change. <sighs> we gonna have an argument? There's no shortage of guns, is there? We're going over to Trixie's apartment. She lives in a rooming house on West 49th Street. What are we going to do there? Not we, Cookie. Him. He's gonna persuade Trixie to part with 200 grand. Oh, no. I've had enough of that woman to last me for a lifetime. Oh, now, Pete, Pete, don't irritate me. You'll lose a good client. You don't say... That ought to kill me for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, here's the key, Pete. Don't we knock first? Oh, you'll never get the first base with Trixie being formal. But suppose That's she's... That's her a... tough luck. Go ahead. All right. But tell that gun to be gentleman with that spine. I, I gotta live with it. Duke, why don't you go in there? You're not afraid of Trixie, are you? Not if she's alone, chicken. Oh, so Pete's going to find out. Back in Leavenworth, we used to call that strategy. Pete. It's no use, Hilda. Well, here I come again, fellas. Trixie! Trixie! Pete, 
do if we Put can, Put on your I... old brass knuckles with the corkscrew buckles, and then we'll have a little... Holy smoke. Duke, Hilda! What's the matter, Pete? <gasps> Flip Morgan. Is he dead? Nobody could look like that and be alive. He was shot. Say, Duke, did you know about this? What you... Well, hey, don't lock us in here! You... Well, what do you know? He did. I'm sorry, Hilda. I can't get it up. Oh, dear. Of all the windows to be stuck, it has to be the fire escape window. What are we going to do? I don't know. Those guys knock me senseless. But I do. We can stick our heads out of the other window and yell. Honey, have you gone berserk? We've got to get out of here. Sure, but don't call for help. There's a dead body in this room. How are we going to explain it? There's no law against telling the truth, Pete. Who's going to believe us? Pete. Shh. There may be Duke coming back. What are you going to do with that chair? Come on, quick. Behind that door. Hey, you two. Trixie. Put on that chair, Duke. No, while you're still behind the door. Okay, you can close it now. But uh, how did you know we were... Look over there. Oh, I guess there's nothing like a well-placed mirror, is it? But, Pete, darling, there certainly is. What? Hilda, what are you talking about? A well-placed bullet. Have you forgotten? You know, in that corner. Flip. Never again, Trixie. Flip has flopped. You killed him, Duke. You and the dame. Now, wait a minute. Let her rave, Pete. You sent me a phony telegram to get me out of here. Said you had something to talk to me about. I thought you wanted to make up. How did you get around Flip? He didn't see the wire. I read it in the hall. I told him I had... Hey, since when do I have to answer your questions? Where's the telegram, Trixie? I threw it away. I wasn't going to keep any messages from you to me. Uh-huh. I thought it was on the level, Duke. I was ready to go back to you any time you wanted me. But you don't want me. You killed Flip and you were waiting behind that door to brain me with a chair. We thought you were Duke. He was here. Sure, sure. You're still Peter Woods. You'll kill us one at a time and then you've got 200 grand and no partners. Well, it's not working, Duke. Not this trip. Duke says you have the money. Did you hear what I said? I'm not even listening. Well, what are you going to do? I'm calling the cops. You're through, Duke. All right. Call them. Let's sit down, Hilda. I don't mind. It'll be a pleasure to see a blue uniform. No. No, never mind, operator. What's the matter, Trixie? Cold feet? Duke, how was Flip Morgan killed? He was shot. Right through the heart. You know, Trixie. Don't you, dear? And you were going to let me... You didn't even try to... Hey, I'm getting out of here. Wait a minute, Trixie. No, no, no. I guess she means no, Pete. Yes. Well, let's call the police. They always like to be told when the murder has been committed. Money ball inside pocket. Party. Marty. Hiya, Trixie. I hear they gave Duke a facial. Did he come through? I've got to talk to you, Marty. Let's go someplace. Sure. How about the office here? It's built solid. All right. Hey, how come you're here alone? Where's Flip? In my apartment. The Duke, too? No. Who figured Duke would turn out to be a rat? The most honest guy in the mob. The guy that took the rap for all of us. He's dead, Marty. What's that? Who's dead? Flip. Oh, you're kidding, Trixie. Then go see for yourself. Flips in my apartment with a bullet in his chest. So that's how Duke's going to hold on to that. He would have killed me, too, but I wasn't there. Listen, Marty, we made a big mistake tonight. That man we thought was Duke Masters... What do you mean, thought? He isn't. Why? 
Now, don't tell me, Trixie. I seen him with my own eyes. You saw. I saw. But we were wrong. Duke's around somewhere watching us. Well, what's the deal, Trixie? The... the what? Deal, the deal. You got any special reason for wanting us to think double? Marty, don't be a dope. I'm telling you, we haven't seen Duke yet. Flip saw him and he's dead. Would I tip you off if I was working with Duke? Yeah, you wouldn't, would you? But what makes you so sure about the other guy? When I came back to my apartment, he was there with his girlfriend. Then I saw Flip and I started to call the cops. Marty, he told me to go ahead. He didn't try to stop me. Hi. Duke. Yeah. What's the matter, Trixie? Aren't you glad to see me? Yes. Sure, Duke. Well, you might show it. Take a walk, Marty. Anything you say, Duke. It's good to see you again. Don't go too far. I'll be here all night, Duke. That's the kind of a job I got. And don't send for any help. The boys are all downtown being questioned by the police about Flip Morgan. But, Duke, I wasn't going to do nothing like that. Yeah. It's amazing what protection a nickel will get you. Go on, beat it. Well, Trixie? Duke. What are you going to do? Oh, no, don't rush me, Cookie. I got a lot of looking to do first. Come here. Uh, you're still a knockout. Oh, Duke. I've been waiting for you. Uh-huh. You don't know what it was like, not knowing whether you'd be locked up for two years or five years. There were nights I couldn't sleep. I'll bet. I never dreamed you'd be out in a year and a half. Oh, Duke, darling. Hold me close. Like this? Closer. I want you to hurt me. Is that how Flip used to do it? Flip, what's the idea, Duke? You tell me I'm the guy who wants to know. You're crazy, stir crazy. Like every man who goes to prison, all you can see is a woman cheating, lying, dancing around with other men. Oh, I said nothing about other men, chicken. I only named one. Well, suppose I did let him buy me a few meals. Did you leave me any money to live on? Didn't even answer my letter a couple of months ago. Didn't I? I begged you to let me know where you'd hidden the 200 grand. I promised I wouldn't take any more than I needed. Why didn't you answer my letter? That, uh, that cabana at the beach, Trixie. Nice place, huh? Cabana? What are you talking about? You must have thought it was beautiful when you found the dough there. Do? I answered your letter, baby. I told you where to look. I told you what to do. But you had ideas of your own. Finders keepers. Why do a split when you can dance on a dime? Duke, I didn't know. You never told me about a cabana. I took the rap and kept my mouth shut. But you were going to close it for good. You knew what the mob would do if I didn't come up with the dough. So you waited and played dumb. I didn't have long to live, did I? Duke, listen to I me. I get knocked off for being a double-crosser, and you inherit 200 grand. Free and clear. Nobody knows. Okay, Trixie, I know. Now, where's the dough? I never saw it. I never got your letter. I'm not asking for comedy lines, Trixie. But I tell you, I... Hey, what are you trying to do? How, do you... How do I know you wrote a letter? Because you say so? Well, I say I never got one. Okay. Okay, from now on, the proceedings will settle down to a nice, quiet, round-table discussion. Let me see your palm, Trixie. What for? I want to read it. I want to find out if you have a future. Okay, buddy, you take table six. Table six, ready? Hello, Marty. Remember us? Huh? Sure. Gee, Mr. Woods, I'm sorry we topped you for skull and bones, but you know an honest mistake. That's quite all right now, Marty, as long as Pete can be himself again. We ain't going to bother him no more, lady. What brings you here? Want to shoot some pool? We're looking for Trixie. Oh, you're out of luck. Isn't she here? I left her and the Duke in the office about an hour ago. You know, a long time no see. Are they still in there? What do you think? Come on, Hilda. Hey, wait a minute. 
You'd better leave him alone, Mr. Woods. The Duke gets awful mad. He won't hit me, Marty. It'd be almost like hitting himself. Now, take my advice and be smart. Now, don't... I'll try to stop him, Duke, but they... Save your breath, Marty. You're talking into a vacuum. Pete. Yeah. Strangled with a piece of cord. Holy smoke. Close that door, Marty. Sure, sure. We don't want no riot. Marty, you said the Duke was in here, too. Well, I didn't see him go out. If he had gone out, would you have seen him? Well, sure. I was out front all the time, near the door, where the counter is. Well, then, how did he get out of here? How? That's an open window, ain't it? Wide open. You mean Duke jumped out of there? He didn't have to jump, lady. This is the second floor. He could have dropped down. It's only about 12 feet. Is it? No, I can drop down from that window myself. You work here nights, don't you? Yeah. So what? Take a look out that window. Something's been happening next door. Next door? There's an open lot. There was, Marty. Now there's a great big hole in it, about 30 feet. What? For the foundation of a new building. 30 feet? Mm-hmm. Steam shovels work during the day. You see Duke's body down there? Oh, I didn't see nothing. It's too dark. If Duke went out that window, he should still be down there. Want to take a trip? Not with you, mister. Pete! Don't be alarmed, Hilda. I've been facing guns all night. How's it feel to be rich, Marty? Great. And I'm going to stay rich, see? That 200 grand is mine. I worked for it. One hold up and two murders. So what? Duke's going to take the rap. It's no secret he used to be nuts about Trixie. It's no secret she was double-crossing him with Flip. Marty, how'd you get the money? I watched the mails at Trixie's house. I don't trust nobody. You watched the mails? For almost a year and a half. Trixie lived in a room in house. The mail used to be left on the table in the front hall. And then one day, a couple of months ago... Yeah, the payoff. A letter that told where Duke hid the dough. And it said, don't tell the mob. I was in. You're smart, Marty. Yeah, but who are you going to tell it to? Marty, hasn't anybody told you that shooting makes a lot of noise? I got that figured out, too. Turn on that radio, pal, loud. <laughs> oh, hey, different now, Marty. You just oh, learned one thing. Never take your eyes off a moving go. target. Drop that gun. Drop it, or I'll oh. twist your arm out of shape. Oh. Now, you weasel. Oh. <laughs> Why, Pete, you knocked him out. <laughs> With one punch. Let me catch my breath. Who? Your bright girl, Hilda. You took an awful chance screaming that way. I had to, darling. It was now or never. And I figured if it had to be never, why not now? Oh, no. Don't faint now, Hilda. I need you. Hilda! Hilda. And so closes tonight's crime club story, Death Never Doubles. Stedman Coles wrote the radio script, Roger Bauer produced and directed. Tonight's cast included Chet Stratton as Peter Woods, Larry Haynes as Duke Masters, Julie Stevens was Trixie, Arthur Vinton played Flip Morgan, Phil Kramer was Marty, and Charlotte Lawrence was heard as Hilda Ryan. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting... Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. 
I'm the librarian. Hearses don't hurry. Yes, we have that crime club story for you. Come right over. chair by the window. Comfortable? The book is on this shelf. Here it is. Curses Don't Hurry by Stephen Ransom. The very exciting story of a cleanup campaign that was messed up by murder. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. The city was small and clean and comfortable. Seen from a train window, it looked like many another American city. But something new had been added to this one that could not be seen from a train window. It was Christopher Chance, young special prosecutor, who's been appointed by the governor to investigate corruption in the office of Anthony Pierce, the district attorney. It was early evening when Christopher Chance left the courthouse after a long conference with his friend and political benefactor, Judge Rossiter. Main Street was deserted. And so was the little side street, two blocks away where his office was located. He walked slowly, but as he was about to step into the lobby of the small building, he turned just in time. Kid! Kid! I'm all right, Lee. Are you sure? You're not hurt? Not a scratch, darling. Oh, thank heavens. I've been so worried about you. There's nothing to worry about. Those gangsters had no intention of killing me. But they shot at you. Strategy of terror, Lee, a la Tony Pierce. Let's go upstairs to the office. He'll do anything to make you resign now, won't he? I'm afraid so. Maybe I'm getting a lot closer to his neck than I think. I'd give anything to see this case closed. You don't know what it's doing to me, Kit. (laughs) Hasn't made you less beautiful, sweetheart. (laughs) Don't forget, Mr. Chance. I'm still only your secretary. From nine to five. And from five to nine. You've got a big job to do. Uh, Is that why you're still here at seven o'clock? Because you're uh, only my secretary? I was cleaning my typewriter. Mm Mm-hmm. I bought this bottle of cleaning fluid this afternoon, and I thought... Well, I didn't know how long you were going to be with Judge Rossiter. Uh Uh-huh. I'm serious, Kit. What did he want? I've got to bring Tony Pierce to trial in two days. You, 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 you can't. I've got to. I've been on this job for three months, and the governor wants action. Oh. Are you sure it's the governor? What do you mean? It could be the judge for the sake of his daughter. What's Diane got to do with my case against Tony Pierce? Hmm? Nothing. But she would like to be Mrs. Christopher Chance. You're not making sense, Lee. Well, you and Diane were pretty thick before you got the appointment and hired me. Look, dear, I've known Diane since we're pups. We're good friends, that's all. Kit, wasn't it Judge Rossiter who got you this appointment? Yes. Why did he pick you? Because he thought I could do the job. Are you sure Diane didn't put him up to it? Well, suppose she did. This golden opportunity, the magic carpet of a political career, make good and you can go anywhere. All right. She wanted you to have it because she wanted you. But now I think she's out to break your political neck. (laughs) You don't know Diane. Hmm. She's very sweet, dear. But why is her father putting the pressure on you? He knows you're not ready to bring Tony Pierce to trial. I told him I have 18 witnesses who are ready to testify. Tony framed charges against them and settle for cash. He thinks that's enough. 
Did you tell him that Tony never took that money in person? Yeah. I even told him about Hope Schuyler, the mysterious lady who can't be found. Whom nobody even saw. Mm, he's got the whole story, Lee. About the abandoned warehouse on River Street, too, where the money was left in envelopes addressed to Hope Schuyler? Yep. And still he wants you to be ready for trial in two days. Don't you think he realizes you have no case without Hope Schuyler? I'm not going to believe that Diane is knifing me. Well, suit yourself. I won't say another word. You don't seem to understand. These people wouldn't put me on the spot. We're the oldest friends I have. They... Hello? Special prosecutor's office. Is Mr. Chance there? Yes, he's here. Who's calling? Skeet Snally. Just a minute. It's for you, Kit. Skeet Snally. Oh. Hello, Skeets. Where are you? I'm in a phone booth across the road from Art Gurney's flying school. There's a gas station here. Yes, I know. What's new? Plenty. The biggest break so far. But I ain't talking unless you're alone. All right, hold on a minute. I'll take this inside, Lee. Go ahead, Skeet. Listen, I got the dope on Hope Skyler. What? Yeah, I figured that she and that Tony Pierce guy must have been like mashed potatoes, so I done a little snooping. Go on, go on. Well, he's got a cabin in the woods near Bedminster, about 100 miles from our town. Some of the folks up there remember seeing Tony Pierce driving through. Oh, what about Hope Skyler? She used to get there by plane. Did anybody see her? No, but lots of folks saw the plane. And what do you know, boss? There's a very small landing field right near the cabin. Very, very private. How do you know there's a woman in that plane? I checked the cabin. That's how I know. It's called Lark Lodge. And there was a woman's dressing gown in one of the closets. Great. Does that prove she was Hope Schuyler? The plane that dame was using came out of the Art Gurney Flying School. How do you know? Because I seen it. It's a two-seating job with the initials H.S. painted on the side. Well. I got a break, see? When the two Gurneys, Art and his wife Phyllis, went up for a little stratosphere, they left the hangar door open. So what was I going to do? You did fine, Skeets. Stay where you are. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Okay. I guess the gurney should be able to give us a good description of Hope Schuyler. <laughs> See you later, pal. <laughs> Lee! Lee, darling! Lee, come on in! Lee, we cracked the case. We've got... Lee. Chloroform. Operator, get me police headquarters right away. I want to report a kidnapping. <laughs> Hey, Mr. Chance. Skeets. He was going to meet me in 15 minutes. I waited two hours. Now he tried to get you on the phone. Lee Dale's been kidnapped. The Gurneys came down from their flying... Huh? What did you say? Right out of my office while I was in the next room talking to you. Chloroform and carried out. Wow. Somebody took an awful chance. I've been scouring the town with the police. Every joint from the warehouse on River Street to the back rooms of the pool parlors. Tony Pierce got this job done. And if you ask me... I thought of Lark Lodge, too. Did you tell the cops? No, not yet. Well, I don't get it. I've got to be sure she's there before I do anything. Oh, okay. I'm expecting a phone call. That's why I came back to the office. Who's going to call you? One of Tony Pierce's gangsters. And I can tell you exactly what he'll say. Yeah? Resign as special prosecutor and kill the evidence you've got, or you'll never see Lee Dale alive again. Suppose that happens. What do you do? I don't know. Would you quit? I said I don't know. Okay, so you'll quit. Just when we've gotten Tony Pierce and Hope Skyler. Hello? Kit? Oh, Lee, Lee, darling, are you all right? Yes, I'm all right. Where are you? I don't know. Oh, just a minute. Uh, Skeet. I know. You want me to trace? Make it snappy. Lee, tell me what happened. Huh? I can't. What was it, Tony Pierce? I haven't seen him. Kit, I've got something to tell you. Naturally. These men want you to quit. Yes. They say that if you don't quit, they'll kill me. I expected it, darling. I, I don't want anything to happen to you. Tell them no, I... No, Kit, I don't want you to resign. I don't. But... Uh, Kit, listen to me. I don't care what they do to me. I don't want you to... 
Lee. Lee. Skeets. Skeets. I just got it, boss. The number's Bedminster 942. Lock Lodge. That's what the operator said, Mr. Chance. Are we going now or are you still quitting? We're going. There it is, boss. Lock Lodge. And there's somebody home. Yes. We should have took the cops along, Mr. Chance. Okay, so you didn't want no shooting, but what about us? We ain't even got guns. Shh, shh. We're going right in. What? Oh. Well, it's a special prosecutor. Come in, come in, won't you? And, uh, next time, don't bother to knock. Where is she, Pierce? Where is who, Mr. Special Prosecutor? Lee Dale. Lee Dale. Oh, oh, yes, yes, your charming secretary. <laughs> Has she, uh, given you the wind? All right, Skeet, search the house. That's easy. There's only three rooms. Excuse me, Mr. Special Prosecutor. I uh, don't want to be picky on, but uh, have you a warrant? Go ahead, Skeets. I'm afraid I'll have to say no. Hey, he's loaded. <laughs> we uh, backwoodsmen always insist on our rights. We don't like intruders who uh, break in without warrants. Listen, Pierce, I'm not only going to send you to jail as a crook, I'm also going to send you to jail as a kidnapper. Really? Well, this is serious, But if you'd it? rather go to the chair as a murderer, put a bullet in my back, because I'm going to search this house myself. You don't have to, kid. What? What on earth? Hey, Diane. <laughs> well, I um, guess I won't need this gun now. You can search the place if you still want to. Diane Rossiter. I'm sorry about this, kid. I didn't think that Tony and I would ever be found out. Where's Lee Dale? My father mustn't know. It would kill him. He must never find Just out. Just tell me where I can find Lee Dale. I don't know. You're lying. I haven't seen her since this morning. She was here. She phoned me from here. Skeets traced the call. I haven't seen her since this morning, Kit. Where's she been moved to? I... All right, if that's how you want it. But listen to me and you two, Pierce. You've given me my case. I can drag Hope Schuyler into court now. You're wrong, Kit. I'm not Hope Schuyler. But I'll forget the whole thing if Lee's in her apartment by the time Skeets and I get back to town. Does that mean that you're going to resign? That you've got exactly three hours. Come on, Skeets. Kit? Leave him alone, Diane. He knows what he's doing. But Tony... It's a great sacrifice. I told him once that hearses don't hurry. The grave always waits. <laughs> it's too bad, Mr. Special Prosecutor. We had to dig such a deep one for you. What's the time, Mr. Chance? Hmm? Oh, uh, about half past two. Yeah. Been a great day for the grave diggers. Mind if I turn on the radio? Feel like some slumber music. Uh, Skeets, I, I, I just can't get it through my head about Diane. She's Hope Skyler. Yeah. Well, a partner of that cheap, chiseling crook. A girl I've known practically all my life. Yeah, but that ain't no reason to quit. She's Judge Rossiter's daughter. Skeets, have you any idea what that man did for me? He got you appointed special prosecutor. He lent me money to go to law school with then he set me up in practice. How can I show up his own daughter as well, ain't easy, boss. But in this world, the guy's got to be practical. Friendship, okay. But when you got a chance to go places, you got to. We interrupt the early morning recital of organ music by Al Finelli to bring you the latest developments in the flying school murder. Hey, what's that? The police are now satisfied that Art Gurney, who operated the school in Landing Field with his wife, Phyllis was shot and killed sometime between 10 and 11 o'clock last night. Did you hear that, Art Gurney? All indications point to a woman as the murderer. Phyllis Gurney, the murdered man's wife, has disappeared. And several motorists have come forth with information that a small, unidentified plane 
took off from the field at about the time Art Gurney was believed to have been killed. Several of these witnesses insist that the person at the controls was a woman. But when asked for a description, off, they were not able to... Now you can't quit, boss. It's murder. Between 10 and 11 o'clock last night. Them two people was the only ones who could have told us what Hope Skyler looked like. Now one of them's dead. Hey, what's the idea of turning off the road? We're going to the Gurney Field. I want you to see if Hope Skyler's plane is missing. Sure, but I can tell you right now. Look, Mr. Chance, does that girl Diana Rossiter know how to fly? Yes, uh, she has a license. Okay. I go where you go, but between you and me, I'd rather go home. There's the hangar, boss. Door's open. Hey, you have to run so fast. Hey, better save my breath, huh? I'll need it. The future. All right, Skeezer. Phew. Where's the light switch? Should be, uh, right about here. I got it. What color was it, Skeezer? Yellow. Two-seater? Yeah, and initials HS on the side. There's a yellow plane. Now, that ain't it, Mr. Chance. That's a single. Hope Skyler plane ain't here. Well. You know, we wasn't made right. Too long, Santa. Now, let's go, Skeezer. I'll drive you home, and then I'll stop off at Lee's apartment. And she'd better be there. Lee. Kid. Oh, kid. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh please. Not all at once. Oh, darling. Um, don't you think we ought to close the door? Oh, all right. Oh, you don't know what looking at you does to me. I'm a little glad to see you myself. Let's sit down. They didn't hurt you. Kid, they let me go. They drove me to the door downstairs. They even let me see their faces. Why, Kit? I'm resigning. No. I've got to, Lee. Tony Pierce hit me twice tonight. Once with you and I'm once... not letting you quit. I don't care what kind of a bargain you made with Tony Pierce about me. You don't, you don't have to keep it. He's a thief. Ah, there's more to it than that. Diane Rossiter is Hope Schuyler. What? Well, there's no doubt about it. I bring Tony to trial, I have to prosecute Diane for murder. Murder? Ah, what's the use? <laughs> I should have known I wasn't cut out for big things. I'm too sentimental. Who was murdered, kid? Art Gurney. He ran the flying school up Yes, there. I've seen it. But why him? Uh, look, dear, you've had a pretty eventful night. I'll tell you the whole story at the office tomorrow. You're going to tell me now. Why Diane Rossiter is so important that you've got to protect her. I I'm not protecting her, Lee. It's her... Who can that be at four o'clock in the morning? Oh, probably a wrong number. Don't move. I'll be back. Hello? Yes, speaking. Who? Oh. I just got in a few minutes ago. What? I see. Yes. Where can I reach you about ten o'clock? Uh-huh. All right, phone me in the morning. No, here. I'll tell you where I can meet you. Yes. Goodbye. Who was it, Lee? Hmm? What? Uh, is something the matter? The matter? No. No, of course not. That was a friend of mine. She's at a party and she... <laughs> it's nothing important. Nice people. Well, see you at the office. Yes. I'm going to be a little late, uh... I got some business with Judge Rossiter first. All right, kid. I'll see you whenever you get there. 
Oh. When did you return to the fold? Kit, please. Yeah. Tell Judge Rossiter I'd like to see him. Kit, I tried to get you on the phone a few minutes ago. I'd like to speak to your father, Diane. He's at the courthouse. He left early this morning. All right. I'll speak to him then. Wait. What for? I want you to give me a chance to explain about last night. Some other time. No. You're not leaving here until you've let me explain. Now, look, Diane. Don't be a fool, Kit. I'm not Hope Skyler. I hate the living sight of Tony Pierce. Sure. You've got to believe me. I went a little crazy yesterday. I saw Lee Dale in the morning. She told me that you were going to be married. She told you? I stopped thinking. Oh, Kit, I've, I've been in love with you for years. I've never shown it, but I hoped that... And then that girl, in less than three months... Now, what's that got to do with Tony Pierce? I hated you, kid. I wanted to hurt you. Anything, so long as it would destroy you. What about that crook, Diane? There was only one way. Your career. I knew you would never finish the case against Tony if, if it meant disgracing my father. So I called Tony, and I told him that I would be willing to let you suspect me of being Hope Skyler. And I told him why. But last night at Lock Lodge, you denied it. I lost my nerve. I realized what a vicious thing I was doing. And then when you asked Tony and me about Lee Dale... You knew she'd been kidnapped. No. No, all I knew was that Tony was sure you'd, you'd come there. I didn't know why. Yeah. You don't believe me. How did you get up to the lodge? In Tony's car. He called me a few minutes before eight and asked me to meet him near the lots. What about your plane? My what? The one you stored at the Gurney Flying Field. Kid, you know I've never owned a plane. Do I? I have a pilot's license, but... What are you talking about? The Art Gurney murder. I heard about it on the radio. The but... plane that took off between 10 and 11 and never came back belongs to Hope Schuyler. Oh. Art Gurney was killed between 10 and 11 last night. And you think that I... You've got nothing to worry about. I won't tell a soul. Kid, you're so wrong. You're so wrong. And it's all my fault. If I hadn't lost my head yesterday, if I hadn't been so, so selfish and stupid and cheap... Oh, Kit, forgive me, please. Forgive me. You don't know what it means to be in love with someone who doesn't love you. I didn't realize what I was doing. You'd better answer that phone, Diane. It might be your boyfriend. I, I can't. All right. Then I'll answer it. Hello. Is that you, Mr. Chance? What's the matter, Skeets? I've been trying to get you all over town. Your apartment, your office, no answer, no place. So I figured you... What do you problem. want? Listen, I spotted that Phyllis Gurney dame. She was driving right through the middle of town. What's that got to do with me? Well, listen, will you? So I get in the cab and I follow her. Guess where she went. Skeets, in case you've forgotten, I'm resigning. Yeah, yeah, I know. She went right to that old warehouse on River Street. What? You know, the place where Hope Skyler used to pick up the sucker dough for Tony Pierce? Where are you now? I'm in a phone booth a couple of blocks away, the ferry station. Wait for me. I'll be there in ten minutes. That's how I figured, boss. What's this dame want in this warehouse? Get out, Skeet. See? Sure. And then it hits me. Tony Pierce collected a lot of dough from those suckers he framed. But it don't show up in his bank books. And you checked all the safety boxes in town, so where's the dough? Is that her car over there? Yeah. Huh? Hey, that came from inside the warehouse. Come on. It's locked. 
We'll have to break it down. I'm ready. All right. Again. Once more. That does it. Now. What the? A car skis. The back of the warehouse. Oh, it's gone. Must have been parked in that open lot. Whoever was here with Phyllis Gurney got out through this open window. Maybe it was Phyllis. Uh, let's look around. That storage room over there. Put a car's out front. Hey. There's a light in that room. Looks like something's on the floor. Burn it. Come on. There's more than a light. There's... Step on the rag, quick. She looks dead to me, boss. She is. Huh. First the husband gets knocked off, now it's Phyllis. Maybe I was wrong about her coming here for... Hey, I smell cleaning stuff. Her dress is saturated with the skeets. You mean that burning rag was meant to... Holy mackerel. Somebody was out to do a good job, huh? But didn't have time to finish it. The killer even forgot to take the empty bottle. What are you holding her like that for by the top of the neck? Uh, maybe fingerprints. You stay here, Skeets. I'm going to put this bottle in my car. Then I'm going to make a couple of phone calls. One of them to the police. Oh, he's just come in, Judge Rossiter. I'm sorry I bothered you. Goodbye. Kid, where have you been? I surely thought you'd gone to resign. There's no hurry, Lee. I can do that an hour from now. You're not going to do it at all. Kit, you must listen. Uh, where were you about 40 minutes ago? Where? I called you here at the office several times. There's no answer. I was downstairs looking for the super. I forgot my keys and he had... I uh, noticed your car downstairs. What's the matter with you? I always leave my ignition key at the garage. I have my car delivered every morning. Oh, I'm sorry. There's been another murder. Oh? Who? Phyllis Gurney. Good heavens. When? About an hour ago. Well... I guess I'd better get cleaned up if I'm going to see Judge Rossiter. You're not resigning, Kit. I'm afraid there's nothing you can do about it, Lee. Uh, where's that bottle of cleaning fluid you bought yesterday? Listen to me, please. Uh, it was standing right there in your desk when I came in last night. You were using it to clean up your typewriter. That's not important now. Don't you realize what's going to happen to you? You'll be called a failure. Uh, look, honey, I want to get these grease spots out of my coat. Will you get me that cleaning fluid? Kit, don't I mean anything to you. Have you been just talking to me about love? Uh, Lee, haven't you got that bottle? Yes, I have it, if that's all you care about in the closet where I put it. You'll worry about grease spots, but I can talk myself sick. Here. Here's the bottle of cleaning fluid. Enjoy yourself. Thanks. I, uh, spoke to Tony Pierce on the phone before I came back here. Of course. You're his buddy now. He is at Locked Lodge. I'm not interested. He couldn't have been in town this morning and gotten back to the lodge so fast. I know he didn't fly. <laughs> Say, did you screw this cap on yourself? Yes. Oh, you must have hidden strength. Or would this be a new bottle that had never been opened before? What do you mean? Would you like to make the rounds of the hardware and department stores with me? There aren't too many in this town. I'd like to know what you meant by that, Kit. All right. You're Hope Schuyler. What? Have you gone out of your mind? You weren't kidnapped last night. You just walked out after you listened in on my conversation with Skeets. Isn't that right? No. You heard him tell me about Lark Lodge, the gurneys, and the plane that Hope Schuyler used. So you decided to get rid of the gurneys. You don't know what you're talking about. You had chloroform and you left the odor of it in this room. Then you got in touch with Tony and told him what Skeets had found out. Oh, for pity's sake. The rest was Operation Frame-Up. You flew to Lark Lodge and phoned me. You know I'd had the call traced. In the meantime, Tony was getting Diane ready for her grand entrance. You deliberately told her that you and I were going to be married. You knew how she'd react. You wanted to marry me, didn't you, Kit? Yes. 
But you never said you would to me. There's a good reason, wasn't there? You're already married to Tony Pierce. What? I found this marriage certificate in the bottom drawer of your dresser. Anthony Pierce, Hope Schuyler. Just one week before you came to work for me. A wedding deformed by a justice of the peace upstate. Big secret. Well, what are you going to do about it? Oh. Is that the gun that killed two gurneys? Mm-hmm. Two gurneys and one special prosecutor. Lee, uh, didn't you notice I left the door open when I came in? You what? Now, why do you suppose I did that? To create a draft? Oh. We have a peculiar police department in this town. It likes to be in on everything. in the world it feels like home. The old Rossiter living room. I'm glad you still think so, kid. It's all over, Diane. Lee confessed. Tony confessed. They're going to be tried for murder and I'm prosecuting. But Tony didn't commit murder. Well, he certainly did. Lee did the shooting, but Tony helped her plan it. Kit, what made you suspect Lee? Up to this morning... A bottle. The fact she didn't answer the phone at the office. That's all? That's all a fellow needs, honey, to start thinking. After that, I remembered everything. How things began to move after Skeets phoned me about Hope Schuyler. Then the mysterious phone call Lee got at 4 o'clock in the morning. Who was it, really? Phyllis Gurney. You see, Tony and Lee had been paying the Gurneys to keep quiet about Hope Schuyler. But when Art Gurney was murdered, Phyllis decided it would take a lot of money to compensate her. $100,000. <laughs> well, we all do foolish things sometimes. Diane, would you do me a favor? Of course. After we're married, if I ever look at another woman, will Don't you please... Don't worry, darling. I'll never be selfish again. Oh, no. Be selfish. But if you're going to ruin me, dear, do it with a kiss, huh? So closes tonight's crime club book, Hearses Don't Hurry, based on a story by Stephen Ransom. Stedman Coles did the radio adaptation. Roger Bauer produced and directed. In tonight's cast, you heard Sidney Smith as Christopher Chase, Charlotte Lawrence as Lee Dale, Joseph Julian as Keats, Helen Shields was Diane Rossiter, and Larry Haynes was Anthony Pierce. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello. I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. No time for murder. Yes, we have that story for you. Come right over. Ah, you're here. Good. 
Take the easy chair by the window. Comfortable? The manuscript is on this shelf. Here it is. No time for murder. The very intriguing story of a clock that chimed in with death. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. It was early evening, and Peter Woods, a young lawyer, had time to kill before his appointment with Hilda Ryan, his fiancée. So he took a walk along Madison Avenue, which was practically deserted. Then he stopped to window browse outside a bookshop. He was just getting interested in some of the titles when he was joined by a couple. What are you stopping here for, Dixon? Maybe I like books. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're just stalling for time, huh? Oh, Steve! Oh, let go of my arm. You are hurting me. Am I? Then let's get moving. No! Now, you don't really mean that, do you, baby? Steve! Excuse me, mister. I don't like to break into a love scene. Well, then don't, pal. Take your hand off her. Okay, Sir Galahad. Now I'll give it to you. Steve, don't! Oh, you... You knocked him out. Huh? With one punch. Yeah. Maybe I'm stronger than I thought. <laughs> what is your name, honey? Uh, Peter Wood. Oh, Peter, darling. How can I thank you? Uh, now, look, Dixie. If it had not been for you, I hey, would have been... Oh. Uh, you're just in time, officer. This girl was being molested. Yeah, by whom? Uh, that man down... What man down where, buddy? Why, uh, he's disappeared. He was just lying there, officer. Let me smell your breath. I'm not drunk. Ask this lady. She'll tell you what happened. You bet I will. Officer, this man, Peter Woods, he tried to kill me. You hear that? And if I hadn't stepped in, why... What? What did you say? You tried to kill me. And all because... Yeah, darling, dear. Now, we've got a place for men like you. Now, wait a minute. This girl's framing me. Yeah? Well, tell it to the judge. He's a great one for fairy tales. The accused, Peter Woods, having been charged by the complainant, Dixie Martell, with felonious assault, with intent to kill, is remanded for questioning by the grand jury of this county. Bail is hereby set at $1,000. Hello, Hilda Ryan speaking. And if it's you, Peter Woods... It's me, Peter Woods. Don't you dare say another word. I'm sorry, Hilda. You had an appointment to meet me here in my apartment at 7 o'clock. You were going to take me out to dinner and to the theater for the first time in six months. I, I know, dear. It's 11 o'clock now. Well? I uh, got tied up, honey. Why didn't you call me? I'm in the district attorney's office. Hmm? I'd rather be with you, darling. Oh, of course. Well, as long as you're working on a case. Yes, honey, and it's all mine. Well, I should hope so. You know what I think of lawyers who split fees. Uh, you don't understand, dear. I'm the defendant, too. You? I'm being held for the grand jury. Good heavens, what have you done? Nothing. Oh, no. I mean it. I never saw that girl before in my life. What girl? Dixie Martell. I was walking along Madison Avenue, and she and a fellow by the name what of... What did uh, she say you did to her? Assault. What? With intent to kill. But she's out of her mind. Why? She told the judge in night court that I tried to pick her up. <gasps> All right, dear. You're against me, too. I guess I'll be better off in jail. Jail? Well, that's where they're going to take me now. And if a jury believes that girl, I'll go to Sing Sing for five years. And I'll be disbarred. Oh, Pete. Feel sorry for me now? I'm just a big dope. Darling, if you could 
come down to the DA's office and bring a thousand dollars. Bring a what? My bail money. Otherwise, I'll have to stay in jail until the grand jury gets around to me. But where am I going to get a thousand dollars now? How about your relatives? I've been lending them money. Oh. Uh, well, can you get it here by morning? That means I'll have to go to the bank. Hilda, I love you. Oh, my truth, so money. You'll get it back. And we'll be married right after the jury says not guilty. Yes. And it better say not guilty, or I'll see that you get life. Pete, if your girlfriend were home... She's not my girlfriend, Hilda. Well, all right, then. If Dixie Martell were in her apartment, she'd have opened that door long ago. Don't think I haven't thought of it. Then why do you keep buzzing? Hope springs eternal. Well, come on, we'll get some lunch and then come back. Maybe by that time... I'm not giving up the watch, darling. But we could be eating. I'm going to be here when Dixie comes home, and she's going to tell me why she cooked up that... Pete. Take it easy, Elder. It's not the mysterious traveler. But the door... I leaned against it. Then it wasn't locked. Now, how did you figure that out, darling? Well, you said... Listen to me, Peter Woods. The next time you get into trouble, get somebody else to put a bail for you. All right. Find me another girl with trousseau money. Pete. Have you got one? Are you going in there? Of course. But I... We came here to see Dixie. Does that mean we've got to stand in the hall till she gets here? I know, dear, but... We can be sitting down. Look, comfortable chairs. And a sofa. Pete, isn't there a law in this state against unlawful entry? In a lot of states, Hilda. Then why take chances of being arrested again? Aren't you in enough trouble? Hmm? How many grand juries do you want to face? You're right, sweetheart. Let's go back to the hall. <gasps> well, come on, will you? Uh, before Dixie barges in. Ah. What's the matter with you? Uh, look. Behind the open door. Don't tell me. Good grief. Is that Dixie Martell? It was, Hilda. Oh, Pete. Now it's just her mortal remains. Well, Pete? Yeah, she was strangled, Hilda. You a long time to find out. I was looking for a bullet wound or a knife wound, you know. I'd uh, rather not. Then I noticed the marks on her throat. I thought there'd be oh. fingerprint impressions, but there weren't. Oh. Whoever killed her must have worn gloves or oh. used a... What's the matter, Hilda? Don't you feel well? I couldn't feel worse. Come on, let's get over to the window. That won't do any good. Fresh air. Let's get out of here, Pete. I can't. You're not hypnotized, are you? I can't run away from it, Hilda. What are you talking about? Murder. Hmm? Dixie's murder. The police will say I did it. Oh, now. Don't kid yourself, honey. They say it. And I'll have the devil's own time proving I didn't. But what about me? Don't you think I'll have something to say? Yeah. After all, it isn't as if you found Dixie dead and then told me about it. Yeah. I was with you, and I've been with you all morning. That's the trouble, darling. What? You posted bail for me. Now, what in the world does that mean? You've got a special interest in me, and when we tell the police and the district attorney that we're engaged to be married... Oh... Understand? Uh, they'll say I'm prejudiced in your favor, and therefore... Oh, but Pete, what are we going to do? There's only one thing, Hilda. Yes? I'm a lawyer, an officer of the court, and I'm not supposed to do it. Hmm? I'm not supposed to conceal a crime. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, no citizen should conceal a crime from the police. But in this case... Thanks for coming out of the wherefore. What? Let's have the to wit. I don't follow you, Hilda. Don't try. You just got lost in your legal training. Well, as I was saying, in this case... You're not going to tell the police about Dixie Martell. That's right. But, Pete, we can't just leave her here. We'll have to, honey, until I find out who killed her. Very, very interesting. 
Oh, hello, Steve. So you're a lawyer, huh? Hmm. What law school did you go to? Not the one you're going to, Steve. Oh, I've been there. And I learned the value of a closed door. Steve. It's too late, Hilda. The horse is in. Uh, let's take a look at that eye, Steve. Uh, from where you're standing, Don't girl. be afraid. I won't hurt your gun. Steve, is uh, that the man you told me about? Yeah, the guy who threatened Dixie and got clipped. Uh, nice shade of blue I'm wearing this season, huh? Why did you come here, Steve? Why? I mean, at this particular time. I get impulses, baby. Like the one that strangled Dixie? Huh? <laughs> don't try to laugh it off, Steve. She tried to get away from you last you night. You don't say. Are you denying it? <laughs> you killed her, Steve. And before you left the building, you saw Hilda and me coming in, so you hung around. Uh, just to nab you with the goods, huh? Why did you kill her? Uh, listen, pal, would your name be Peter Wood? Never mind changing the subject. That's what I thought. Yeah, I uh, I knew I saw that face someplace. Madison Avenue. Magistrate's Court last night. Say, is it true what Dixie said about you? Okay, Steve, play dumb. And she was a friend of mine, Pete. And now look at her behind the door. Oh, well, we'll have to tell the police about this, Petey boy. Get away from that phone. Don't be ridiculous. It's a public utility. <laughs> I'm with you, Steve. Oh, you, you dumb cluck. No, you dumb cluck. A lady screams and you turn around. Gentleman Steve. I'll break you in half. Swing him around this way, Pete. I'll hit him with this flower pot. All right, Hilda. It's not all right. Can't you two stop dancing for a minute? I'll kill you, Wood. No, Hilda. No. Here, that does it. Uh. Hmm. <laughs> Thanks, you fatal charmer. Steve. Oh, Pete, darling. I got the wrong man. Pete. All right, Hilda. Now. Pete, will you ever forgive me? Now, Hilda. It's all over, darling. I hit you by mistake. Ah, uh, dumb clock. A lady screams. What did you say? I was all set to hit him, Pete, and then... He swung you around, and oh, I... Oh, my aching head. Is there something you'd like me to do? Yes, but not now. Where's Steve? He left with his gun. Didn't he phone the police? No. Uh-huh. So he was bluffing. Uh, help me up. Sit there for a minute. I've got something I'd like you to see. Hilda. This piece of paper. What is it? Read it. All right, I can see straight. Hmm. Prepare a ticket for a clock. Well, when I hit you on the head with the flower pot, the pot broke and this ticket fell out. Hmm. Carl Andrews, jewelry sold, clocks repaired, 980 East 69th Street. That should be on the next block, Pete. Now, why should Dixie bury a repair ticket for an ordinary clock? Maybe it isn't an ordinary clock. Uh-huh. Uh, help me up, sweetheart. I think I've seen everything. <laughs> Good afternoon. Can I help you? Are you Mr. Carl Andrews? I have been for 56 years. Now, what can I do for you? Oh, we have a ticket for a clock that was left here by Dixie Martell. Miss Dixie Martell? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, may I have the ticket, please? Huh? Thank you, sir. Now, let me see. Where did I put that clock? Oh, yes, yes, sir. I remember. Here it is. 
Shall I wrap it up? Now, let's see it first. Oh, of course. Why, Pete, it's beautiful. Yeah. Now, what would Dixie be doing with it? Uh, you never can tell, Hilda. Maybe she used it to tell time. But a thing like that... It's a real antique, man. Well, that's what I mean, Mr. Andrews. And uh, very expensive. A collector's item, if you don't mind my saying so. Oh, we don't mind. Uh, then perhaps you won't mind if I ask you a question. Hmm? I am responsible for this clock, and well, you are strangers to me. Of course, you brought in the ticket, but... You want to know how we got it? Yes. Please don't be offended. Not a straight question calls for a straight answer. Thank you so much. We got it from Dixie. Uh, Miss Martell to you. Naturally. She had to go away, a long vacation. Oh, uh, poor girl. I told her she was working too hard. I guess being a nightclub dancer is a very difficult profession. It uh, keeps the girl on her toes, Mr. Andrews. Of course, I do hate to lose a good customer, but what is best for her is... Well, you understand. Perfectly. Uh, will she be coming back someday? I don't think so. Her plans were very definite. Oh, that is too bad. Well, if you should see her employer, tell him I'm sorry he's lost such a good performance. Do you know her employer, too? Oh, indeed I do. Mr. Jackson is one of my best customers. He owns the Pelican Club on West 49th Street, you know. And the clock's there. Ah, never on time. <laughs> I, I see you know, Mr. Jackson. Are you sure you wouldn't like me to wrap the clock for you? Sure. Oh, well, then, if you'll excuse me, I'll go back to my work. People get so angry when their clocks are not ready on time. A good day. Same to you. Now, there's a sweet old man. Uh-huh. Pete, the next time we have a clock that needs fixing or some jewelry that needs buying... I'll keep it in mind. Hilda, didn't you notice something queer about that sweet old man? Queer? He didn't ask me to pay him. Pay him for what? The work he did on the clock. Oh. Well, maybe Dixie did that before. You know, in advance. Boy, how you women stick together. Come on, let's get a cab. Pete, are you crazy? You'll find out. This isn't utopia. Cab rides cost money. Take a look at the back of this clock. A metal plaque. Read it. From the collection of S. Parks. Jackson. Well, all right, Mr. Andrews said. Don't you get it, honey? S. Parker Jackson. Excuse me, dear. This is my dumb afternoon. S. Parker Jackson might be the fancy moniker for a guy named Steve. Oh. Oh. Don't explode, darling. I need you. Oh, this darn traffic. It'll take us a year to get there. Oh, well. Hilda, for Jiminy's sake, will you stop playing with that clock? I'm only trying to wind it, Pete. Only trying? You've been turning that gimmick for ten minutes. You must have broken the spring. Oh, we'll find out. See? Hey, take it easy. That thing's an antique. You'll shake the guts out of it. I've shaken something out of it. A drawer. In the base of the clock. Pete, look what's in it. Let me see. Stuck with glue or something. Hilda, I love you. Hmm? These are diamonds. What? Those four pieces of glass? Uncut diamonds. I'll bet this drawer wasn't in the clock when Steve Jackson bought it. Pete, do you know what you're talking about? I've got an idea. Those robberies in the diamond center for the past year. Oh, no. You've read about them, haven't you? Yes. 
All right, dear, you're getting off the next corner. Oh, now, Pete. No arguments, honey. I've got plans. And I've got $1,000 wrapped up in you. Hard-earned money. Do this for me, and I'll owe you my life. Would you go to the Pelican Club without me? Yes, dear. But you'll be there, too. In spirit. Hello, Mr. Jackson. Huh? Well, Pete, well, if it is my old friend, come in. How's your head? S. Parker Jackson. Yeah, I come from good stock, bottle and bond. Yeah. How, uh, how'd you get in here? I walked. That's quite an office you've got. Mm, I like comfort. And those clocks on the wall, some collection. Uh, mind if I look at them? Who, uh, who told you about this place? A clock that Dixie had given to Mr. Carl Andrews for repair. Andrews? Ooh, Andrews. He, uh, he does all my repair work. Yes, so he says. Where is that clock? How much is it worth to you? Uh, let's say, your life. Ooh, you talk big. Where's that clock, Pete? Now, look, Steve, I'm a lawyer. I get paid for asking questions. You'll get paid off if you... Yeah? Okay, name your price. What does that clock mean so much to you? It's valuable. It's the only one of its kind in the world. A portable diamond mine, hmm? What'd you say? I'm giving the answers now, Steve. All those clocks on the walls, those rare antique clocks, are loaded with diamonds that were stolen from the diamond center. Uh, that crack you got on the skull went right through his brain, didn't it? Right through with a ticket. Now, let's have it, Mr. S. Parker Jackson. You killed Dixie Martell because she stole one of your clocks with diamonds in it. Killed Dixie Martell? Remember that body behind the door? Uh, there's a hospital a few blocks from here. You better go there right away. Killed Dixie Martell? <laughs> well, that's very funny, isn't it? What's <laughs> the riot? A body behind the door. You've been seeing things, pal. Now, wait a minute. Dixie, a corpse. When she hears about this? Come on, I want you to tell her. What? Dixie Martell. She's upstairs rehearsing a new number. You mean that she's here in this club? Yeah, all here. But, well then, who was the dead girl in her apartment? Dead girl? What dead girl? Rehearsal room, Pete. Last stop. Oh, so that's Dixie, huh? Always was, pal. I'll introduce you to it. Cut it, baby. Yes, sir. Hold it, sir. How you see? Like the new routine? Yeah. Uh, Dixie, I want you to meet Peter Woods. Uh, huh? From Hollywood? Nah, from Hunger. He's a lawyer. Oh. Well, he's a friend of yours. Now, listen, Miss, what's your name? It's Dixie Martell, honey. Yeah, since when? Since... Say, what is this, Steve? A census taker? A jerk, baby. Thinks you're a corpse. What? A what? You know, what people say nice things about. You're misrepresenting, Steve. She's not the girl we saw. She's Dixie Martell, Pete. But she's not the... And you know it. Don't you tell me who I am. All right, I won't, but I'll tell you what you are. Yeah? Go ahead. You're a... Waiting, mister. You're, uh... Well? What's the difference? You're not Dixie Martell. Get him out of here, Steve. <laughs> Get him out before I wrap him up for burial. Funny scene. Quite a funny scene. So John's the matter with you, huh? 
I've got work to do. New routine that's got to be ready by tonight. Well, then work. Let's go, Pete. Yeah. Well, goodbye, miss. What's your name? Oh, go feed yourself to the squirrel. <laughs> Some number, huh? Yeah, that's what I've been thinking. Uh, let's go down to your office, Steve. Maybe I'll find a number for you, too. And, uh, you hear, Pete, some of the publicity we've sent out on Dixie. We're breaking tonight's papers. With or without pictures? With. Here's a couple of the pictures. Oh. Steve, either you're a guy with plenty of gall, or you're just plain... You're getting weaker, pal. These are pictures of the girl upstairs. Dixie Martell. What's the gag? Who do you think you're going to kid with a stunt? Oh, you're getting tough again. Now, look, Steve, I'm not crazy, and neither is Hilda. There was a dead girl in that apartment. We all saw her. You were going to phone the police. Was I? That girl was Dixie Martell. And the girl upstairs... Oh. I have a feeling I don't know, but perhaps I could make a... Oh. Excuse me, pal. Yeah? Come on. Oh, so you're still talking. Who, me? Uh, what is this? Don't tell me you don't know. Around the dead supposed to be heard. What? Yes. You recognize the voice now, don't you? Dixie Martell. No. How does it feel listening to a ghost? I'll let you know. You thought I was dead, didn't you? You were so sure. The guy who does such a perfect job on everything. Uh, wait a minute, sweetheart. So you're mad, okay, but... You uh... tried to kill me. And why? Just because I swiped one of your lousy clocks with the diamonds in it. Is that a reason for murder? Oh, that's, uh, that's a big question, honey. I uh, can't answer it now. That's all right with me, Steve. You're through. Uh, uh, women trouble, Steve? Uh, sort of. Well, when you have too many. It was your girl, Pete. Huh? Hilda. You put her up to it, didn't you? Now, chum, if I knew what you were talking about. She makes a very bad ghost, chum. Oh, that. Yeah. Don't reach for that gun, Steve. I've got one right here in my pocket. That fact of fiction. Don't try to find out. <laughs> Once the lawyer, always the lawyer. What does that mean? How much? For you, 2,000 volts. Uh, how about 50,000 bucks for you? In cash? In cash. All right, Steve. Get on that phone and call the police. No dice, huh? The police, pal. Okay. What do I tell them? About diamonds and Dixie and death. You're really nuts. Squirrel food. And while you're dialing the operator, you can tell me all about that girl upstairs you had posing as Dixie Martell. Oh, you mean Mona. Mona. A not-so-delectable slice of ham. Oh, you're wrong, pal. She's very delectable. <laughs> very delectable. <laughs> uh, nice work, Mona. Your timing was perfect. Oh, thanks for leaving the door open, Steve. Hey, everybody wants to get in the act. But you, baby, you belong. <laughs> well, what do we do with him? Yeah, leave him there. Come on, help me get the clock down from the wall. Clock? But, Steve, we... Come on, honey, time marches on. We've got to keep him set. I didn't do it, Pete. You can't blame me for everything that oh. happens to oh. you. Now, get up. Oh, yeah, yeah, get up. Uh, Flob. Hilda. How do you do? Uh, 
What happened to me? That's what I'd like to know. How did I get down? Oh, yeah. Somebody hit me on the head. Who? I don't know. Steve was standing over there. I had him covered with a gun I didn't have in my pocket. A gun you didn't have? I took a chance and he fell for it. Then he... I know. Oh, now we'll get someplace. It was Mona. It must have been Mona. Who's Mona? That girl in the rehearsal room who pretended to be... Hey, the clocks. What happened to the clocks? Huh? The clocks were in this room. The walls were covered with them. Pete, you poor darling, you're delirious. Two hits on the head in one day. They're gone, Steve. Mona, clocks and diamonds. Beat it. Are you trying to mean... No, no, no. The clocks that were full of diamonds and those two killers. Oh, dear. You mean I was Dixie's ghost for nothing? Hilda, don't you realize the evidence is gone? And sooner or later, somebody will find Dixie's body in her apartment. The police will start asking me a lot of questions. What'll I tell them? Oh, excuse me? Oh, hello. I'm looking for Mr. S. Parker Jackson. I have... Oh, haven't I seen you two before someplace? Of course you have. We were the two folks who, uh... You remember, Dixie Martell's clock? Oh, yes. You will pardon my bad memory, I hope. How are you? Oh, so, so. Oh, that's too bad. And you, young lady? Oh, fine, Mr. Andrews. And you? Oh, I can't complain. Are you waiting for Mr. Jackson? Who isn't? Uh, is that a clock you've got in that package? Yes, Mr. Jackson wanted me to repair it. A great rush. I had to promise to have it here exactly at this time. And now, uh, will he be here soon? Uh, maybe, if we can reach him. He hasn't gone away, has he? Well, after a fashion. Uh, but you can leave the clock. Leave it? With me. I'll see that it gets into the right hand. Oh, I am sorry I cannot do that. Why not? Well, Mr. Jackson is very particular about his clocks. But you aren't. What? The one you repaired for Dixie was a very bad job. Why, Pete, that's right. It didn't go. Took you a long time to remember that, Hilda. How about you? Took me a long time, too. Uh, now, Mr. Andrews... I am afraid I don't quite understand what you young people are talking about. Well, then, let me put it this way. That clock you've got wrapped up has got a drawer in it. I did not notice. A drawer you put in it. That's the kind of repair work that you've been doing for Steve Jackson. I, young man... Shall we check? Uh, leave this package alone. We're checking, Mr. Andrews. He said, leave it alone. Oh, hey. Oh, I... I'm sorry I did not mean to hurt you. Well, the old guy's got a grip like a pair of handcuffs. I'll come back later when Mr. Jackson... Uh, just a minute. Uh, don't stop me, young fellow. You won't take me by surprise again. You never knew what was going into those clocks, did you? I want you to get out of my way. But when Dixie Martell brought a clock to you, not for repair, but for safekeeping, you looked in the drawer. You saw the diamonds. I am warning you, young man. You took them. That is, you thought you took all of them. Then you went to her apartment this morning and strangled her. I am not going to warn you again. It's no use, Mr. Andrews. Please. I can wrestle, too. You strangled her. No, Just to make sure you could keep the diamonds. That wasn't nice, Mr. Andrews. That was... Murder. Oh, a hot dog, a bottle of pop, and thou. I just can't get over it, Pete. Mr. Andrews. Mm -hmm, he did it. The police found the diamonds in the back of his store. Greed, greed, greed. Mm, once is too much, Hilda. What people won't do for money. Well, if they wouldn't do it, it'd be all right, but the trouble is they do. Hmm? You can't beat it, honey. Ask Mr. Andrews. Hmm. And when you get through asking him, you can ask Steve and Mona. You think they'll get 20 years? Maybe 30. But if I were the judge... Someday, darling. Hmm. Yes. Come on, let's get some peanuts. Pete, what made you suspect Mr. Andrews? I was alive. What? And I wouldn't have been if Steve were a killer. 
Oh, you mean... That's right. I knew too much about his business. But he didn't kill me. And so, when Andrews came in... Make it simple, dear. I took a chance, that's all, and it worked. Well, where can I get peanuts around here? Are you going to eat them? Why not? Squirrels do. Are we any better? We're not even as smart. So closes tonight's story, No Time for Murder. Stedman Coles wrote the radio script. Roger Bauer produced and directed. Myron McCormick played Peter Woods. Charlotte Lawrence was Hilda Ryan. Raymond Edward Johnson was Steve Jackson. Cameron Prudhomme played Carl Andrews. And Gene Ellen was Dixie Martell. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello. I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Yes, come over a week from tonight. Good. We have the very unusual story of a trip that was arranged by death. It's called Cowhide. In the meantime... Well, in the meantime, there is a new crime club book available this week and every week at bookstores everywhere. Yes, it's available now. Fine. And we'll look for you next week. (laughs) 